Hadouken! What does that even mean? You don't know what a Hadouken is. Wow. No, what, what is a Hadouken? Ha. Uh, al Hadouken. Hadouken is the. You know, remember Street Fighter? Yeah. That was Ryu and Ken uh, Hadouken when they did the fireball. Oh, okay, okay. See, we're both learning here. Okay. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh, everyone. Welcome to this uh, special uh, unscripted uh, episode. It's me, your host, Sulman Bhatt, again. And uh, we thought we'd mix it up uh, a bit, get a bit of diversity uh, on the podcast. So we've got someone all the way from America. Alhamdulillah. Uh, Assalamu alaikum, Professor Jonathan Brown. Walaikum salam. This is where we do so wait, the, I, the I, fake salam. I'm diverse. I'm a diversity. Uh, Your tickboxing exercise. Yeah. And what, what, uh, what, what, is good... it, what is diverse about me that I'm from the US yeah. or that I'm. Um, <laughs> my phenotype, <laughs> racial phenotype. <laughs> you're a professor and you're from the US. We all, we all look alike, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice sound effect. Yeah. You really, and you really, uh, do you have like a, a kind of a, like an array of, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't know which button to push to get like the crickets fast <laughs> enough. You must have like a big giant. It's been baked cricket. into, it's <laughs> been baked into <laughs> my, uh, <laughs> it's been baked into my subconscious now. So anytime, yeah. you know, like I know that is the, and that is the old, <coughs> Oop, that was by accident. What I meant was <laughs> clearly have a master this enough. What do you use, um, sneezes for? Like that be useful for in a conversation like well it was more someone, um, someone, you know. it was more we, we i loaded it more when the coronavirus pandemic was kind of starting but now it seems a bit distasteful <laughs> seeing how so many people have died but uh, i'll probably change those uh, i've had a few contexts or, or uh yeah, kind of guest specific ones in the past so um when we have like a qari i'll test him out with load a few you know different reciters and see if he can uh, can guess them and uh, i was thinking about what to do for you um but yeah i was like cricket sounds <laughs> maybe yeah sorry there's nothing nothing clips. that i could nothing characteristic oh. for me yeah so i'm glad we got to talk finally after not being able to meet in the uk when i was there which is unfortunate yeah yeah sorry but i mean it was uh no, it's just my fault it wasn't it wasn't your fault yeah and i was just being um, nice but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was good. Uh, it was good to speak to you anyway, uh, briefly. But when you're, I mean, for the viewers, we've been trying to uh, arrange our schedules because uh, Professor Brown's been very desperate to come on the show, uh, come on the podcast, and uh, I just haven't, I just didn't have time, uh, or something, something along those lines. But uh, inshallah, when you're, when the pandemic's over, uh, we we have to try and organize something when you're next in town. Speaking of the pandemic, how's uh, how's lockdown going for you? Um, it's pretty good. I mean, I, I've kind of uh, conflicted, I guess. It's sort of like my, my ideal lifestyle, you know, my ideal. Mm. I've dreamt of a time when I wouldn't have to leave the house. <laughs> I can't stand wearing, I can't wear like regular clothing in the house. The second I come home, uh, <laughs> I have to... Uh, change into um is everything okay or is like some kind yeah, of yeah you just technical... call for a second but uh yeah i think, I think something's yeah. happening in the other room like some kind of kid is using uh <laughs> a device yeah 
Hang on. No problem. If you're this if is... you're Asian, then you could uh, your slipper would reach around corners. Yeah, I mean, you could get a spin on the it. The thing is, yeah, it's, I don't have. Yeah, I imagine, look at these. Look what I have. I don't have. Look at this thing. Imagine trying to throw this. With my Uggs. Look wow. at this. Look at the hole in there. You guys can see. That's this. Zuhud, this man. Not... Mashallah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he's so, frozen. So again. Yeah, you're frozen again for a second. I need the house and not to uh, not to change into regular clothing. So um, this is kind of nice for me, but uh, I feel ter- obviously it's terrible. It's happening outside, mm. and you know, the whole world in economic ruin. So this is depressing. Subhanallah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I saw this video from um, New York. Some Muslim, um, uh, I think it was a funeral parlor or something, and there was bodies everywhere. He was like, the poor guy was overrun with. I hope it was. A, I wished it was a fake, wasn't real, but it was really uh, scary stuff. Um, and they're saying, I mean, here, over here at least in the UK, they're saying that the most of the um, the, the the deaths uh, are for of people from, you know, um, black and ethnic uh, minority ethnic uh, groups. Um, there kind of kind of research going on as to why that is. Um, three theories, but. Um, What's it like in the U.S.? Is it kind of broadly impacting everyone? Yeah, well, it's hard to know. I mean, you kind of you really feel like you know, you're at the kind of mercy of what you know the media wants you to know or what is being promoted. Mm-hmm. Like that thing about the, the the Muslim funeral parlor. I think that was, I think that guy was actually storing bodies for like a church next door, so it wasn't actually. It was actually it wasn't it was it wasn't as dramatic as it was made out to be, but on the other hand, I mean the number of people that I know who've died, like that I know or I know people I know who know them right either like first or yeah. second degree relationships. I mean it's like a lot of people. I mean so now the question about who's impacted, I mean everything I've seen suggests that um, like you know minorities are being disproportionately affected by the mm. by deaths and and kind of severe illness in the case of this pandemic mm. uh, i don't know why that is but uh, yeah it's disturbing yeah there's a few uh few theories out there but I don't want to speculate or anything um <clears throat> have you been um coping with the mental health stuff at home been uh, playing with the kids and a lot I mean, of people are getting on each other's nerves yeah, it's nice i mean i i feel like i think that the, the homeschooling is hard i mean i don't understand i can't Mm. imagine if i had like a real job you know Mm. i wouldn't be able to my kids wouldn't be educated being wouldn't be educated right now right so i have the luxury of you know you know i've published a lot in my life thank god so i kind of have i can this year i was sort of taking it easy a little bit in terms of research so the last couple of years I was, you know, kind of burning the candle at both ends. And, um, so I kind of have more free time this year and I know I just teach two classes and, uh, but if I, I know, and I, I could spend a lot of time, I could do research at night, you know, I could, so I, during the day I can work with my kids, but if, if I, if I had a regular job, I don't know, my yeah. kids would not, I just have to put them in front of the TV or something. Yeah. So it's, uh, I I've, I'm really lucky, but, uh, I think that's the hard part is homeschooling. Um, 
otherwise it's nice. I mean, my brothers-in-law are here. They, they live with us now mm-hmm. where they they happen to be here during this time. And, uh, <clears throat> so they're kind of, my kids can play mm-hmm. with them and they, they have a lot of fun. That's so cool. it's sort of, uh, more you're like mentioning a, that you, uh, more like a party. You're mentioning that you were teaching the kids, showing them some card tricks. And I found, uh, this is what I went ran upstairs to get. Oh wow! Some nice yeah, I, cards. I think I. Oh really? So you make me feel bad? You want, okay, ready? let's see. Yeah. It's a bit too wow. slippery. <laughs> wow. So I haven't done it for a while. So these are quite nice cards. Okay. Yeah. So I I've been. To be fair, I've been doing it from a farther distance, like a farther distance. You know, so I'll do it like this. I'll do it from like, you know, here to here. <laughs> Are you trying to get I mean, me to not, do it not, and then make a fool of myself? Like, I don't have any my cards with me. So I've been doing it like this. Let me try. Oh, you know. It... <laughs> All right, let's get that out of the way. Sounds it so can be they, a homeschooling um, project to collect those later on. So yeah, I've been having some, but you know, I, I feel like I also need to remember, I've been like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to try and learn some trick shuffles, but I also want to memorize Surat al-Hujarat. Mm. So those are two, th- I feel like every time I'm trying to learn with cards, I'm like, I really should be memorizing Surat al-Hujarat. <laughs> it's an interesting uh, choice, yeah. interesting combination. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I feel kind of bad. Like, I don't want to like come out of this whole thing with like some really good card tricks and no hojadat. <laughs> that would be bad, bad result. Yeah, subhanallah. Uh, I mean, I've been uh, I've been just going on shopping sprees and stuff. It's really bad. I mean, I was thinking like I bought a you mean like, online shopping. Sprees? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just when you're sitting, when you I've got a nice home office uh, kind of set up here, and uh, I've just been buying loads of like little. I bought a mechanical keyboard. You know, because I type a lot. Um, just What's a mechanical keyboard? It's, uh, you got, oh, I don't know if I tell you about this. It's like a whole, it's like a cult kind of community of people who make custom keyboards. And just listen to this. So it's like the old kind of typewriter style? Yeah, well, it's not like as hard as typewriter, but there's loads of like mechanical keyboard switches. And uh, there's different kind of profiles for kind of key travel and resistance. So this one has like a really satisfying click for kind of typing. It's like you're typing on pillows. But um, mm. yeah, it's a bit of silly. Well, if it's better than this MacBook Pro, the new MacBook Pro ones are terrible. Oh, yeah. You know, they're like the old Apple ones are really good keyboards. Yeah, yeah. I had um, I had two. I, 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 I've got two old, old Apple keyboards like uh, the thick one, I've even got that, the, the one that's similar to mechanical, but it's not really mechanical, and the, the kind of stream streamlined thin one. Um, but uh, unfortunately, they stopped working. So I spilled, some, I spilled some coffee all over it, but it turns out it was just, it was all under control. <laughs> What's the, oh, under control. Ah, oh, okay, yeah, that was, uh, it took a while to get. To be fair, I only heard that joke today. I'm trying to out. Actually, Siri told me it because I was trying you to. You heard that? You heard that joke from somebody else? It's no. not. You mean that traveled between people? 
yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's a uh, value to travel between people. That's this ridiculous. Is, uh, this is uh, this is it's Tadlis of uh, of uh, of Siri actually. Siri told me it's because actually I was you know you want to you want to know. I'll tell you a joke. I'll tell you my, the best joke I ever made, which no one ever appreciates, but I think it's the best joke I ever made. Go ahead. And it, wait, let me get ready. So, okay, so uh, you say that's the worst idea since someone invented a machine that takes sliced bread and reforms it into a whole loaf. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> I remember I made that joke. Are you joke sure you in made that? I think I've heard that before. Yeah, I made that joke in college. No. I was walking down the street with my friends and I made that joke and it was nighttime and I was so happy about it and nobody laughed. And I've made that joke for the last 20 years and really like nobody's laughed. Uh, that is. But I think it's brilliant, conceptually brilliant joke. That's marvelous. That's the second best joke I've heard all day. After the control one? <laughs> I actually used it the other day, and I can't remember what the situation was, and I think one person laughed. Yeah. Nice. I've also been, I don't know if this is good or bad, but I've, I'm kind of addicted to this series about Imam Ahmed. Have you seen this? Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Uh, no, I, I started to, I started to um, I'm not really into these, like, Arab series. I really, I started to look at the one really Omar bad and really good at the same time. It's, like, really, really melodramatic and everything, so... I don't know if that's how kind of Arab sitcoms are, not sitcom, uh, soaps. But uh, you know, kind of, I'm torn, man. I really, I'm really torn. I'm so. I mean, I love Arabic and I love mm. obviously Islamic. Islam, that's Islam, why Islam. I was watching it, by the way. Gonna disclaimer to practice my Arabic. But I, I mean, at the same time, like I'm just so, I'm so just. I don't want to have anything to do with basically almost all the entire Arab world. <laughs> Just so painful. I, yeah. You know, I just, like, I don't want to... Well, if it's any consolation, it's made by Qatar, I think. So yeah, it could that's be cool. worse. I mean, that's, that's, like, one of the few yeah. countries I can go to in the Middle East where I feel like some people even take you know. And you don't get arrested. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, <clears throat> so this, uh, you know, I don't know, it's painful. You know, it's painful to watch these things. Mm. It, remind, it reminds me of a time... You know, earlier in my life, when the kind of Arab world and Arab media were all kind of interesting. I mean, yeah, they had their problems, they had their angles, but it wasn't so kind of naked and and mm. and, and, and and sort of vicious as it is now. You know, now it's just this the vicious nakedness of these agendas and, and these uh, sort of anti-Islamic um, mm. messages. You know, it's just uh, it's painful to watch, and you just. I feel like I'm in, I'm in, in purchasing some kind of narcotic when I when I watch them. So I tend yeah. to not uh, not 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 I don't watch any like Egyptian stuff. I don't watch any Lebanese stuff. Um, but yeah, like that Omar bin Al Khattab series is really interesting. Yeah, that's a couple of years old, I think. My brother-in-law told me about it. I've been yeah. watching that. But you know, it's tough, man. In general, I don't have any time. Like I don't know about mm. you, but this Ramadan, like I have got. Like, I don't know where my time goes. Maybe it goes to doing podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should stop accepting podcasts. And it's, you know, so or maybe you've been uh, doing card tricks instead of learning Surat Fajrati. Yeah, exactly. So I, I mean, you know, we. Um, where my time goes, man. Last mm. night I made the double tree chocolate chip cookies. I don't know if you know about these, right? Do you double know about tree. these? So there's this. This hotel was one of the Hilton chains called Double Tree. Oh right, yeah, yeah. They have, they have their own cookies. cookies. Whenever, 
Yeah, whenever you'd go in, they'd give you a cookie at the at the uh, at the you know check-in desk, and um, but people love these things. And so, like mm-hmm. when this whole home you know quarantine thing started, they released their their the recipe. recipe. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, so I made my my wife made them the other day. I made them last night, and you know I'm not like I I, I actually am a really good cook, but I'm not a I don't make cookies. Like I've maybe mm-hmm. made cookies like once in my life, you know. Like there's some people who just make cookies all the time. Me, I don't make cookies, right? That's like seems to be kind of a joke. But I was really worried because I was like, "What happens if I can't even make these cookies?" So I was reading that recipe, and I was like, "This thing it calls for the same amount of flour, the same amount of chocolate chips as flour." So let's say there's like two and a half cups of flour. It's like two yeah. and a half cups of chocolate chips. So I was like, "This can't it's be impressive. right." So I, I I didn't put all the chocolate chips in, but they were still pretty good. What's up? This is uh, my kid is looking for his soccer ball. Mashallah. Yeah, he's it's pretty cute. So he basically his uncles are big into. FIFA, the mm-hmm. game, like this world, some kind of soccer game. I've heard about, it, yeah. You play like, like you play like the players, so he like watches with them and gets super into mm-hmm. it. He's like cheering, and like, my kids are like hugging each other, like we scored, we scored. <laughs> but then, so his thing is now he like he'll do the announcer voice. So he'll. This is how I've been waking up the last couple of days. So obviously, I sleep because I'm a lazy mm. bop. so I may sleep kind of late right so maybe that other people are actually up having fully active days while I'm still in bed the business I've been being woken up the last couple of days is my son will come into the room and I just hear this like Benzema scores Benzema goes Benzema passes to Gerard Gerard mm. Gerard's got the ball who's Gerard Gerard's playing for this team what team this team Oh, that's a legends team or something. I'm just like, I wake up and I, I it's my son like kicking the ball around and doing his yeah. little announcer he? routine. He is seven. Okay, that's good. I think yeah, if, so he's, he's, if he's like 15, 16, there's something to worry about. But <laughs> no, okay. no, he's still seven. <laughs> so there, uh, you know, so this is this is a big deal in the house right now. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Um, so, I mean, I wanted to talk to you also about some of your... Um, it was funny because uh, the brother who organized this uh, kind of meeting, uh, Mansoor, he was like, well, we don't want to do it live because, uh, you know, sometimes you might say something and you might think, wait, wait a second, some people might misunderstand that, misconstrue that, and then it turns into a massive thing. And I was like, I want to explore that a bit. <laughs> so what are some of the things that you've been saying that's kind of been getting you into trouble with the the kind of the Twitter sphere or social media kind of haters. So you want me to tell you things I've said that have gotten me in trouble? <laughs> are you crazy? I'm not going to tell you these things. I mean, like what kind of idiots are you used to dealing with on this podcast? Uh, I can give you I a mean, list. So, so, I mean, I just know, had a quick uh, okay, check. So, I mean, I've been following so, so, your, I've been following your work for a while. Um, you wait, know, but hang on, hang on. So let's just let's just be clear. So there's, 
like I will, I will readily admit that I sometimes do not choose words well. Mm. And this has been a problem for me since high school. <laughs> you can't tell, I can't tell you how many times like, I got called in by like my deans in high school and got busted for saying something. I mean, they, mm. and they, they always said the same thing. They said, we don't understand you. Other people don't understand what they did wrong, but they ch- stop their behavior. You understand what you did wrong, but then you keep doing it. <laughs> I was told, I was like, I don't know what to say. Mm. So, uh, the, um, I think genuinely, uh, genuinely, I, I don't intend to say some things that are offensive to people. Uh, but do you but, find uh, that there's people that are just kind of trawling through your stuff, waiting to to, well, to yeah, kind of catch I something? That's another aspect of it, right? Which yeah. is that you know, if you don't, you know, if we don't have charity for one another, mm. you know, you can't. Um, you know, it's very really difficult to deal with other people. Uh, and I was just, I mean, I posted this on, I think, on Twitter or something. The day I was reading. One of the things I've been working on the last couple of weeks is, or months is reading the whole Nuzhat al-Khawatir of Abdul Hayy al-Hassani, who died, I think, in the 1930s. He's this big scholar from Medwet al-Ulama. Oh, okay. I think he's the father of um, Abdul Hassan Medwet, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Somebody can check that out. But So he wrote this book. Somebody's going like, to refute you if, you're, if that's not accurate. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Write a, write a response. <laughs> PDF. Say Jonathan Brown should cease and desist his his <laughs> Islamic you know declamations. He is not qualified. In in El So the so this is a, like eight volume biographical dictionary of kind of ulama and grandees of India. Um, and uh, so he he gives this uh, this is his I think it's his bio of uh, Ahmed Sirhindi Sheikh Ahmed Sirhindi. Right, the, obviously the founder of kind of the Mujaddidi Naqshbandi mm-hmm. movement. He died in 1625, if I'm not mistaken, of the common era. So he, there's this one scholar, huge scholar, Abdul, ha- Abdul Hakim Sialkuti, um, from a, you know from who's a, yeah, he's from Sialkut. I think nowadays makes like athletic wear, <laughs> which is great, right? Which is terrific, right? Yeah. But um, that's where all the good cricket so, bats are made. So he says um, he's talking about people criticizing. Sir, Sir Hindi, and he says, um, uh, um, really, as Kairi Moradi Sean, um, what is it? Uh, oh, Jahlast, Vanik, uh, Nik Nati J. Dorad, right? So, uh, if you Criticizing the words of big ulama, you know, take you criticizing what they say for what they didn't intend mm. is ignorant and has bad results. Now, obviously, I'm not a big alim, so I'm not saying mm. that this applies to me. But I think the general rule is sound for any communication, which is that if you go around uh, fishing for things people say and then yeah. trying to extract meaning from them that wasn't the meaning of the person, then it's this so is really done. a waste of time. It's so yeah, it's a waste of time. We're supposed to do the opposite, as you know from Surah Hujurat. Have... Yeah, exactly. I, I need to guess at that part. So, uh, <laughs> but you, uh, isn't yeah. that the? So the. So I, I think, like you know, once you get, um, I mean, it's sort of hard to know in the world today, like in the kind of the different uh, ecosystems of mm. Twitter and social media. 
uh, like you don't even have to be famous to attract critics, right? So you can be, a, yeah. you know, a medium-sized fish in a small pond. Uh, so I would probably be a medium-sized fish in a small yeah. pond. But even a medium-sized fish in a small pond, apparently there's like uh, people who are willing to spend many hours of their day. Uh, yeah, and that kind of stuff is... Um... I think I think Twitter, uh, social media generally is geared towards kind of amplifying that kind of stuff um, and showing people uh, more of that kind of stuff and making that stuff go viral because that's what unfortunately appeals to the kind of the primitive um, uh, parts of our, our, our personality that they want to see the gossip, they want to see that kind of stuff. So they'll stay on those those accounts longer, those posts longer in your time, uh, in your news feed. And that will in turn get it kind of marked with the algorithms as something something hot because they, the, the whole economy that these social media sites work on is attention. So the, the, the longer something captures your attention, the more uh, it will show it to people and the, the more viral it will go, unfortunately. But you could yeah. write, you know, the, 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 the kind of... Uh, that meme, you know, it's been been doing the rounds for maybe a few decades now. You know, something, some some very important um, kind of piece of information or knowledge, you know, two likes, you know, someone's uh, um, some celebrity breakup, you know, hundred thousand likes or whatever. So that's the kind of thing, unfortunately, we're we're dealing with. And um, it's interesting you put it with small fish and medium fish and a small pond as well, because everyone's getting it. I mean. Um, People just kind of, uh, uh, it's it's. I think it's something. It's interesting that you you mentioned that it's happened in the past to, to on a different scale in a different medium, you know. With the um, I forgot who you mentioned from Nadwatul Alama, but um, um, it's like on steroids now because uh, you know it's 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 everyone has a keyboard, not a mechanical one, but everyone has a keyboard. Everyone has a smartphone now, and. Uh, you know, everyone has the the ability to broadcast their opinions, and and the phases that people would go through in the past in private on only harming those immediately around them. Um, those these are now kind of open to many, many kind of uh, manifold more people, and uh, I think it's personally I've been thinking it's maybe a a sign that the internet, social media, the digital age, cyberspace is actually changing how we. Uh, changing significantly how we view Islam and how we uh, go about carrying out uh, Islamic things, Islamic fiqh, Islamic theology, discussions, uh, discourse, because um, there's 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 the 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 kind of address of the pulpit, the the khitab of the you know giving people um, iman boosts and encouraging them to do good and um you know warning them against evil that has its place but that's naturally uh more hyperbolic that's naturally more um you know emotional and and, and you know rhetorically charged and it should be that it has its place but the actual uh mechanics of fiqh the mechanics of fatwa that has a completely different address and we've got people who've been riled up with this type of address going to uh, you know, refuting and 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 harming with their pens and their tongues and their keyboards, uh, people who are actually carrying out the the fiqh, people actually carrying out the the, the research, uh, carrying out the fatwa, so, such that you get this really kind of strange uh, 
paradox where people would talk about uh, people who talk about Sharia uh, in this way uh, overshadow people who are actually doing Sharia. People in the fiqh councils, people in, on the front line, you know, giving, uh, answering people's questions, judging people's disputes and stuff. And this, this, I, mean, I don't know. This, this, I feel that I don't know if I'm being pessimistic or I think this is, it is actually changing the way Islam is being spoken of on a global scale. You know, when you have, um, I don't want to mention names or mention groups or anything, but you know, pro Sharia people, in a, in a, in, a, in a rhetorical sense, they're very pro- passionately pro Sharia, but they'll abuse the people actually doing the Sharia. <laughs> People actually implementing it, doing the research, doing the, you know, counseling people, people judging people's disputes and so forth. Do you see? I mean, do you do you see that as well, or am I being too? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's. Um, yeah, definitely, I agree with you. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I, I think that the, the the kind of online universe amplifies and mm. facilitates you know, patterns of behavior that have always been there. Um, and I think it, it creates a, you know, a negativity that can be like, you know, becomes toxic very mm. quickly. And that, you know, that can, that can become like a dominant part of someone's religious experience. And if that's the case, eventually that person's going to burn out and just get sick of that. I mean, yeah. who wants to live like that? Um, I mean, an example of this, just because it might be a bit too theoretical, the example is, um, for example, the, the 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 articles that you've written about um, uh, LGBT uh, LGBT kind of ac- activism and what Muslims what, what you suggest Muslims might think of doing and supporting and alliances and just politics in general, it's really um, I mean I didn't find much objectionable about it personally, but the the type of attacks uh, that you were getting. I'm not just saying that because you're here and you know um, <laughs> slagging off behind your back, but it's it it's it's this is like a locus of that problem that I'm talking about because um, <clears throat> I mean when I sometimes think about imagine if imagine if there was social media in the time of the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, right? And you know even the, the 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 senior companions there they were upset at you know the 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 hand that they were dealt so to speak in the in the treaty. You know they have to turn around. They have to go back. They can't go to. You know they they've come to make the pilgrimage, and because of this this compromise, this is a political treaty. You know there's give and take. There's there's this type of stuff happening. Um, the Prophet ﷺ was there to you know um, to advise them, and 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 sort of fatah came down right, and changing the discourse and narrative around that. So that that kind of the impact of that was contained, the the upset uh, that was was felt. But if there was someone with, you know, guess what treaty was just signed? Oh, they, they, you know, they, 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 are going to send back the, the, the Muslims that are fleeing to, fleeing to, fleeing from the persecution of the kuffar, and they're going to do this and going to do that. And imagine how that would just spread like wildfire now, you know. But it was the Prophet This Allah called this the Fatih, you know, despite being, and that's one of the issues, the difference between the theory, the, the, the you know, talking about. You know, don't compromise on your principles on the on the on the on the Jum'ah pulpit, and actually doing the fatwa, doing the politics, doing the uh, you know the 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 actual give and take, and 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 the weighing out the different uh, different considerations, and that's 
we find because of the, maybe the pedagogical issue, how we learn, how we're taught Islam now, we find that those two things to be in conflict, but they shouldn't be. You know, I mean, we get I get a lot of slack from some people, you know, saying, "Oh, look, this guy, he's pro-democracy, he's asking for us to participate in the elections, all that kind of stuff." When you know, look at this, and they bring all of the the rhetoric. So, you know, um, the the rhetoric of anti-democracy it had its in the last century or so it had its context, right? The, the ulama that were were talking uh, against that. I mean, you can see they were looking. They were talking about Western imperialism, for example. They were talking about uh, the the kind of the, the, an, an, an absurd con- consequence of having pure democracy and mitigated by nothing else, no other value, right? Like the rule of law or anything like that. Uh, so obviously they're talking about that kind of thing. But when you're talking, when you're when you're actually juggling the benefits and the harms, and you're doing the the fatwa, that same scholar who on the on the you know. On the pulpit, he'll be encouraging people in a in a passionate kind of address. He or she, even they're going to be, you know, uh, uh, making these compromises, and they're not compromises, you know, in your um, in in you know core matters of your dean. And I think th- I think the key is separating between the theory and the implementation of that theory. I mean, the, there's 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 different ways you can discuss this thing. I've heard you discuss it as well. For example, talking about Thawabit and mutagayirat, talking about just things that are solid, unchanging, and those things that do change. But I think personally, I think a better way of um, maybe articulating this for our brothers and sisters is that the theory is one thing; the theory doesn't change, okay. Um, but in terms of when it comes to implementing that theory, there's principles you have to kind of take into consideration, right? Theory is hurimat alaykum al for example. Right, um, carrion, uh, dead meat is is uh, prohibited for you. Uh, now, implementing that on this particular piece of meat here, that's the issue, and that that people need to recognize that because we've got people who uh, think the theory is enough, and they just implement it wherever they think it's uh, think it's possible. I don't know. I'm ranting. <laughs> Does that even make sense? No, uh, no, makes sense. Um, I mean, I, I think you know. That's uh, entirely correct, and I think that um, a lot of this is is not even about. Okay, first of all, like a lot of the stuff isn't really fiqhi, even in the sense that it's more like political decision making. And what do I mean by that? I mean, you know, you can, mm. you know, it, there's not a fiqhi answer to, you know, if you have a hundred dollars in your government how much do you spend on education versus healthcare, right? So yeah. do I spend $50 in healthcare, $50 in education, or $75 in healthcare and $25 in education? Like there's not a 50 answer to that. You know, that's just a decision. Mm-hmm. That's a po- politics in the sense of a community deciding how to distribute resources. Yeah. You know, what are, and so I think a lot of the, the issues of implementation of principles end up really being political questions and those are subject to disagreement uh but Mm. but those those disagreements don't have to be um so things like the 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 kind of lgbt issue i mean this is i mean i think this is really a political question and 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 this is nobody is nobody is debating what is haram and halal nobody is debating you know what muslims should teach their children 
in this in least as far as I as far as mm-hmm. I'm concerned, right? Um, it's it's really a question of, you know, uh, do you ally with a certain group for certain end or not? Right? <clears throat> and no one, I mean, I I, w- I would never advocate Muslims um, conceding their principles. I would never say that Muslims should not do Amr bin Ma'ruf and Nahyan al-Munkar on these issues. It's just a matter of, you know, this group wants to make sandwiches for poor people. And I also want to make sandwiches for poor people. So do we, like, cooperate on making sandwiches for poor people? Like, what's, you know, but, but that's that's really, a, I think, a political question. I think um, even, you know, I would say, even, sorry to cut you off, I would say even the political um, questions... They they still have the same mechanics of you have uh, you have a theory you have the values right you say okay I value in education or whatever and then the actual decision or the 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 treaty you kind of muster up is a concretization of all those different things and how they fall when the 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 kind of dice is thrown so to speak I don't think, I don't think if you even need those um, disclaimers that uh, you know I wouldn't I wouldn't um, what do you say? I wouldn't advocate Muslims don't do Amr with Ma'roof and Nahyan and Munkar. Maybe you might. You might. In, you might. And at, at the end of the day, you might have an argument to say, you know, um, uh, warning against a particular Munkar might lead. If it leads to a bigger Munkar, then you you don't warn against that, or you you practice a kind of um, acting as though you 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 haven't. You're not uh, uh, condoning it, but you're neither condemning it yeah. publicly. For example. I think to me it, it it falls under the same thing, but I think the the problem is one of our, one thing I always remember our sheikh he said sheikh Haytham, he said uh, I think you met him he said if somebody focuses on aqidah so much not, the, not not what we would argue is aqidah but the 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 way it's taught the the science of aqidah you know kind of black and white uh, you know this is this is iman this is kufr um, if somebody focuses on aqidah so much. That uh, they will go go beyond the point where they become really bad at politics, <laughs> right? And I didn't understand this when he said this to us years ago. But over the years, I've seen the, uh, this kind of uh, play out. And similar is our approach to fiqh as well. Many of us we look at fiqh as, you know, just a uh, ibadat, and they're characteristically very restrictive. This is how you pray. This is how you must calculate zakah. This is how you must do this. But the rest of you know. The majority of uh, um, fiqh, someone might say, is the opposite. It's you know everything's allowed, but here are the things you have to be careful of, uh, and and it and it and, it, and you know, it goes to the the qadi or the jurist or whoever to the mufti to kind of juggle these things as 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 and when these fatawa come. I mean, I think one of the reasons that that the kind of theology. Um, and politics don't go well together, as you were saying, is that is that a lot of these disagreements, like for example, LGBT things, have to do with uh, kind of assertions about uh, eventual results, right? So it'll say, yeah, okay, if you, yeah, if you do this, this will happen, right? Um, if you work with this group this will become normal right if you mm. and and that might be correct right but you but 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 that's not something that is really a theological discussion right so if you're if you're saying you know if you do this people muslims will think something 
the severity of the disagreement is because your opponents are, are, are assuming that you think it's okay to think that thing. Yeah. Whereas you don't think it's okay to think that thing. You just don't think that it is as likely as your opponents claim that Muslims will end up accepting a certain belief, right? So, um, or, or maybe your opponents are right, but you're wrong, not because you are wrong theologically or wrong yeah. on some issue of, you know, in terms of fiqh. You're just wrong because you have sort of calculated a probability incorrectly. You didn't think um, the slope is, was that slippery. Yeah, which is, which is, yeah. I mean, okay, uh, uh, you know, oh, someone could say, oh, I was wrong about the slope being slippery. Mm. I mean, okay, but I mean, this is really, so now, but, but let's, but it's but let's fundamentally be unjust about, to accuse you of being pro. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's, let's yeah. be honest about like, and we can have this disagreement, you know, okay, I mm. think the slope is this angle, you think it's that angle. Okay, so um, we can either compromise, we can either say that we're going to acknowledge our disagreement and pursue different courses of action. Um, we can sort of disagree and, and, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to, mm. obviously we're still both Muslim. Obviously we're still both going to pray together. Obviously we still disagree, we still agree on like 99.9% of everything else in our religion. Right. So like this is, uh, I think one of the, the problems is that a lot of these political discussions are really about fears about future course of events. Yeah. Um, so you're not really debating a current situation. You're debating people's justifiable and justified fears about the future. Mm. I would put that in yeah, the same another... camp as the the theory and implementation, because the implement both camps. Um, for let's say for, you know um, those those who are kind of very strictly uh, opposing your views and those who are kind of holding your views. Um, both camps are making arguments based on anticipated consequences. Uh, it's not one camp's the Islamic camp and one camp's the non-Islamic camp. They're both making arguments based on they have the theory, they have the values, the masalih that they're holding important in their minds. But they're saying the way we concretize these things and prioritize one over the other and kind of include the the the, the anticipated consequences is this and another person's concretization is that. I think when we when we clarify it this way, we realize that everyone agrees on the the the, the main core, uh, you know, the the values, the the masalih, the uh, sharia, you know, in, in its essence. It's just you know I think going this way is better. I think going that way is better. That's that's what it boils down to. Really, I don't think I don't see a kind of substantive um, difference of opinion on uh, on that. I mean, I, I think that's correct. I mean, another thing is that, um, and, and this, I think, kind of gets more into the particulars of the, the issues that we're discussing, which is uh, a lot of the, like, we are right now, and I mean right now, and I mean like in, the, in the, the last year, and I probably in the coming year to two years, uh, at least in the United States, and I think also in the U.K., really at an inflection point for which course of action is correct, right? So um, I, in, in that article that I, you're referencing, you know, when I advocated, you know, uh, I think it was called RACIO, like rights affirmation. So basically 
kind of religious freedom approach where you say, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to affirm the rights of other groups, provided they affirm my right to hold my religious beliefs and to teach my children and to have my kind of my child education, my, my, my moral environment protected. Right. Uh, that's being decided right now. So when you have things like mm. the kind of gay wedding cake cases in the UK and the U S when you have things like the Birmingham school district issue, mm. Birmingham school, um, issue, right. Or which is, I guess, basically England and throughout England and Wales. Um, that kind of stuff is really fundamental. If 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 we end up in a situation where certain things are being taught to our children in kindergarten and first grade and second grade, and we do not have a right to opt out of those classes, mm-hmm. I would completely change my position. Because that in that case, Muslims' right to their freedom of conscience and freedom of practice is not being respected. Right? So like but so the question is now, like, we're at this point where, like, are we going to go down a, a path where, you know, religious communities are going to be allowed to have their own kind of school environment, their own, you know, opt out of certain classes, schools aren't going to be teaching certain things to young children, right? Or are we going to go down a direction where, no, like a certain liberal progressive vision of society is going to be imposed at every level of education, regardless mm-hmm. of what parents want? Those two different paths require two totally different approaches by muslims yeah and i'd say by like christians and jews as well Mm. i think that was that's one of the differences between the i'm not like a legal scholar or anything but that's the difference between that i noticed between the the u.s context of the the legalization of of gay marriage and the uk context i think in the u.s context the 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 argument was based on lifting uh impositions um, but in the UK, it was a matter of adding imposition and uh, enforcing, for example, churches and so forth and registration offices to um, carry out these types of uh, unions and call them marriages according to X, Y, Z. So in the US, that's an example of, it, it, you know, yeah, even like um, kind of LGBT lobbies, for example, arguing for kind of diametrically opposite things in terms of the letter of the law. One is for lifting... Uh, adding more freedom one is for um, kind of uh, more state impos- encroachment into the, the institution of marriage so I think yeah, yeah so exactly in the US right it wasn't there's nothing no one's ever talking about what churches have to do or mosques mm-hmm. have to do this was simply a matter of when you go to the you know state of Virginia marriage office to register your marriage are they yeah. going to accept a gay marriage or not but like you know if i want to have a sharia marriage contract even you know that that's that's between mm-hmm. that the mosque is a totally different institution right so and that, that that's not telling me that i have to have a certain belief about marriage it's just it's, yeah. it's removing one of the state's definitions of marriage for its purposes yeah so i think it was based on that i think it's it's a different um, kettle of fish here in the uk and that's partly why uh, there was such an uproar with the the Birmingham um, kind of the, the, the those classes because you had this person who this teacher who identified as gay. The, nobody had a problem with him being a teacher and stuff. But the the the, the moment the 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 um, the kind of protests and so forth started was when um, this program No Outsiders 
um, was the literature of it was kind of released and it was, um, you know, to quote, the, the aim was to smash so-called heteronormativity. Um, so I think that goes into another issue where I have some, <laughs> I've got some kind of uh, passionately held um, uh, rants uh, about the way Muslims approach these things anyway. But um, that was an example of uh, the Muslims only kind of becoming angry and, and lashing out when they were in, something was imposed on them. They weren't, you know, um, saying get rid of this uh, gay teacher or anything like that. How it was spun, you know, in the in the in the in the in the media and stuff. But we have this this situation now where you have um, Muslims in some settings allying with more progressive kind of, uh, or in the UK sense, more left wing. Um, uh, this is kind of a burgeoning Muslim left kind of movements uh, in the UK, and they have their, their you know their, their place, their arguments and so forth. But in some situations, there's there's these allies uh, allying with the the, Mus the 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 right wing, and some some people who are overtly Islamophobic normally they're like, you know, you Muslims, you're taking over the country, you're terrorists, or whatever, but you're all right in this. And then Muslims, you know, we we kind of fall into that trap of. Uh, but I'm thinking sometimes for the future of Muslim activism and politics, um, do you think don't you think there has to be Muslims present in all of these even unsavory kind of um, political viewpoints because that 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 um, diversity does exist within Muslims in terms of you know some people might be in more inclined towards uh, conservative values. I don't want to call it that and then kind of impose. Look, make us look at our own dean and everything through another lens but they might be allying on conservative issues some people might be allying on more um maybe socialist type of issues in um in, in the uk context um and i think that i would only think that's a, a sign of a healthy community i think sometimes where you do have um a say uh, you do have some kind of uh, your, your ideas are there in all the different major kind of parties, not just kind of uh, putting your putting all your eggs in one basket. But the other argument is, do, or the other question is, do you think Muslims can do their own politics? Um, you know, as as minorities. I mean, I, I think <clears throat> that I I think that Muslims should be present in all kind of political across the political spectrum, so to speak. But I I, I don't think that's the issue. I think the issue mm -hmm. is. Uh, the Muslims also request that other, whatever, whoever they're partnering with, mm. respect their beliefs and their <laughs> issues. Right. So you don't. So it's not about who do you work with. It's about do you require those people who work with you to take your sensibilities into consideration. Mm. You know. So it's, you know, I, I don't mind if. Like, for example, working with like a right wing group, right? Um, like, I don't expect them to like my religion. I don't expect them to agree with my religion. Mm. But, for example, I'm not going to work with them if they're also trying to prohibit immigration of Muslims or they're trying to like ban Sharia. I don't care what common interests we have. Right? So, they, you know, they, they have to kind of, as just a fundamental principle, they have to sort of acknowledge my right to exist in this country. Mm. Um, similarly, if I'm working with like a le left wing or progressive group, like um, 
مازن مازن وطي صوتك من فضلك شكرا um so the you know the you know i also expect them to to, to respect my religious beliefs like i'm not going to agree to certain things i'm not going to approve of certain things i'm not going to morally you know advocate certain things mm. you know and if they if they are not okay with that then i can't work with them if they are okay with that then we can work together yeah. so i think it's more about you know not wherever you are in the political spectrum not not seeing your participation as this uh unilateral like one side compromises once you know you kind of join in and you accept everything that people say Yeah. And so yeah. in that sense, like if you and this is a problem with, for example, the Democratic Party. Oh, hang on. My computer is going to die. I got to go plug it in. Um, yeah. So you're not still like bear with me as I walk into my office. Uh, so um, it's not a matter of uh, I mean, this is a problem with the Democratic Party in the United States is that it's it's become so. <laughs> to very specific uh, aggressive agenda so i mean the, the problem with is that the, the democratic party in the u.s has made it um has made it impossible to work within the party's kind of um mm. you know uh perimeter right i mean you, you can't if you if you hold if you don't fully morally sign on to a whole kind of progressive agenda right um but the problem is and this is not this isn't just about muslims right there's lots of americans who would vote democratic but who don't for example don't want their children being taught certain things in school at the, yeah. when they're five or six years old and mm -hmm. they, they might not even be religious people right they just don't want like they have certain views about family and society and they don't think that you know, radically progressive views should be imposed through schools on children, right? Um, and unless that party, unless the Democratic Party can accept that view and acknowledge that those people have a right to that view and, and work with them, they're going to preclude representing and working with a huge chunk of the nation's population, you know, Muslims mm -hmm. included, right? So what this is, I mean, one of the things people always get upset about At me for with this LGBT issue and they're they're just imagining things right is they say oh you want you know you want um, drag queens reading stories to kindergartners like mm -hmm. no I don't what are you talking about I mean I first of all no I don't think I don't think mm -hmm. kindergartners or first graders or second graders should be exposed to any of these issues mm -hmm. I don't think they should be told I don't think they should have to deal with anybody who represent some kind of overtly gender or sexual phenomenon coming into their room, into their classroom and, and having to deal with that. I just don't think that's appropriate for children of that age. Mm. Right. Um, and guess what? I'm not, a, I mean, I'm, I'm Muslim, but there's lots of people who are atheists and Christians and Jewish and agnostic and whatever who yeah. agree with me. And if, if, if you're not, if a party is not willing to accept that opinion as part of its platform, well, who's, who, who are they representing? I mean, they're representing a tiny mm. frag, fraction of the country and they're excluding a, a massive chunk of the country. So I think this is, you see this happening in American politics constantly, right? Which is, and you, you mean that the democratic party 
keeps getting trounced in national elections because it's um, basically getting wagged by its, its, its kind of radical progressive tail. And that's yeah. not American. The United States is not a radically progressive country. Do you think and that, it, um, I mean, you know, Joseph Massad, he has a, a, a really uh, powerful chapter in Islam and liberalism about um, what he calls the gay international. And um, I think partly the, the, the reason, one of the reasons for what you're explaining, and it's a similar thing here as well, is that the discourse has been um, um, set already uh, within the, the kind of, uh, in, in American context, the liberals and in our context, kind of more left-wing um, uh, discourse. It's been set to vis-a-vis -vis LGBT issues, uh, gender and LGBT issues. Um, it's been set in order to predetermine only two characters, two types of characters existing. You have the um, the progressive liberal ally, who's enlightened, who's polite, who you know is not a racist as well. And you have the the bigot. You have the person who he might not be you know um, you know mean or whatever, but he's at least needing of some kind of civilizing, some kind of bringing up to date and stuff. And I think that is because the, the, baking that into the discourse is what leads to this totalizing kind of demand or this this muscular liberalism that you no know, for these things you have to push you have we have to have these pushed on people because we don't want them to be this guy we want them to be this guy right and I think that was partly what was fueling the the um, the 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 confu not the confusion but the where does escape me Muhammad the kind of the, the angst and the the annoyance uh, with the in the UK context of the with the um, compulsory sexual relationship education being coming in 2020 September, um, and that is Muslims. We didn't have uh, on most of us. I think we don't have the 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 the, the tools in order to articulate our um, disagreement effectively. Right, we end up. What we end up doing is jumping into the predetermined dichotomy, the homophobe or um, you know uh, progressive ally, liberal ally dichotomy, and act, you know even taking um, rhetoric, taking arguments, taking tools, discursive tools from um, non-Muslim right wing, from even some sometimes racist and Islamophobic people. And and in my opinion, it boils down to the. Um, the treating of or the belief that there's something called sexuality, right, as a somatic fact, i.e., as a fact to do with the body, like you know, hair color, eye color, size, weight, height, whatever, um, because because that is being pushed as a and taken for granted as a, as a somatic fact, uh, whereas even within, I mean, um, queer theory itself, one of its core doctrines is it it's not it doesn't exist outside. Um, social imagination. It's a social. It's something created by discourse. It's something created by uh, the social construct, right? Um, but we we accept it as given, and then we say, "But don't bring it into the classroom, or don't bring, don't, don't tell my kid about this thing." And I feel that that is we're kind of pulling, we're, we're fighting with one hand behind our back and some weird boxing glove. Because that's the thing we end up arguing isn't what we need, what isn't a, a an accurate reflection of our deen, 
right? Because we don't believe this. Um, I would argue that Islam doesn't believe in there's something called sexuality and it's a somatic fact and because these are uh, and 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 Joseph Musad mentions this that this it's it's a cultural effect kind of universalized by Western imperialism um, and it includes the fact that uh, and, and and you know Foucault for example he he quotes him and and, and Foucault mentions himself you know he charts the the origins of sexuality as a construct in and it's a very unique contract to the, the 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 basically white um victorian england um you know all the way he talks about the kind of the, the christian confessional uh, um, tradition this idea of the closet the epistemology of the closet right that there's there, there's there's an internal kind of mystic secret inside of people that is waiting to come out and when someone comes of age, that comes out, even that, that phrase coming out, right? So without having some way to discuss these things, Muslims then have to fall on the back foot and either accept you're a kind of homophobe, bigot, um, or uh, a bigot who's just like a racist, by the way, because, you know, guess what? <laughs> Race is also, some people might argue yeah. you know, this is a somatic fact and stuff, so... Um, so it so the Muslims end so up think, arguing. Yeah. So I, mean, I think there's two. I agree with you. And I mean, I think Masad's discussion of this is, is really excellent. Um, mm. You know, but I think there's kind of two routes. There's two sort of more sophisticated routes that Muslims and other groups can take in discussing this. One is to say, is to kind of get is to get in the discussion you're talking about, which is you know, okay, what is. I mean, at the at the root of a lot of these of, of the kind of progressive discourse is the idea that mm -hmm. there are certain categories that are essentially fungible, right? So, race, sexuality, religion, right? These are all just categories. So, if you're these categories have to be respected. So, if I'm going to respect your religion, if I'm going to respect your race, right, um, then we have to respect sexuality as a category. So, you know, not serving a cake to a gay person is the same as not serving a cake to a black person, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? So, um, and you can kind of discuss that in the language of saying um what is a construct what isn't a construct mm. um the problem is if you get if you go down the sort of foucaultian road on this you end up having to talk about physical gender physical sex you know like biological gender also as a construct which i don't think it is and which i don't think muslims think it is right and which i don't think really in the end anybody thinks it is if they really get pushed on it um mm. so clearly you know somebody having a penis is not the same as somebody, you know, having blue eyes or, or brown eyes. And, you know, uh, one of them is irrelevant. And one of them is a functional part of someone's reproductive system that is necessary mm. human beings to reproduce. Um, so I think that the first, the kind of Foucaultian route you're talking about is, I think it's really intellectually interesting. I think it's very difficult to, have that discussion in public in a kind of at a public intellectual or public discourse level. And I think the problem with it is it, it, it really in the end risks committing participants in that discourse to a complete sort of relativization flattening of all categories, which I don't think that Muslims actually believe in. Mm -hmm. uh, the other route one could take, and I'm, I'm sure this is not exhaustive, but these are just two that come to my mind, right? Is to say, let's not talk about these gender and sex and all this stuff. Let's talk about the role of the state in rearing of children, right? Mm. Or the role of the state <clears throat> in employment, right? So mm. um, should, 
is it really the job of the government to come in and decide how my children are going to be taught about their bodies and their minds and their beliefs? Like, I mean, is that, that seems to me to be a totally different issue, right? So we could, we could even, we could agree or disagree on any number of things mm-hmm. about sexuality, gender, mm-hmm. religion, belief, et cetera, et cetera, and still think that it's, that I as a parent or you as a parent have a, a greater right to shape your child's understanding of the world than some kind of impersonal Leviathan that is going to reach down through the immensely inefficient tentacles of state <clears throat> infrastructure into every corner of our minds mm-hmm. without our say, you know? So, I mean, that that's like, and, and if you get in, I think that debate, that argument is actually a much better argument, right? Yeah. I think that, um, you're going to have a lot of people who are not religious, a lot of people who are not particularly ideologically on any end of the spectrum saying, yeah, I actually agree with you. I don't think um, the government should be coming and telling me yeah, how, what yeah. my kid should eat, what my kid should drink and what my kid, you know. So I think that. Um, I think both are that, unnecessary, though. Yeah. Uh, sorry to cut you off. I think, I think the latter is a political um, strategy. Whereas the former is more for the in a dawah or a tarbawi sense for Muslims, right? Because one of the things we focus on in Psalm 21c is not just trying to make Muslims more impactful, but their confidence in their skin as Muslims. And um, I speak to kind of uh, young people, young Muslims, uh, a little bit now, and they don't have the, uh, the kind of privilege of calling myself a youth worker or anything, but maybe once or twice in a year I speak to some young, younger, uh, cool kids, yeah. And um, I can feel that they, this is something that just on a, despite the political, you know, the legal and illegal, what does my dean say about this phenomenon, right? And it leads to uh, maybe a lack of confidence in, the, in, in believing that Islam is the best, uh, you know, way of life for anyone uh, and, and particularly for them, right? Um, and so I completely agree with you. I completely agree that that's, I mean, it seems that the... Uh, for Muslims living in a, uh, as minorities, we want to increase the uh, amount of freedom we have for, and <clears throat> it's cor- color- corollary, you know, the freedom that people we don't like, they have to say and do, you know, whatever they want within limits, obviously, um, because it allows us the, the the freedom to, you know, organize our um, uh, education and our children and all, all that kind of stuff. But I'm thinking on a on a on a level of thinking. Does what does why would Allah for what, what, a young young lady once a young sister asked me once teenager what's wrong with being gay right so even that 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 language that question uh, it it it's taking gayness as an ontology it's taking gayness as a, a state of being right and without addressing these things we're gonna have a bunch of people who are maybe you know Muslim they they they, they agree with the stuff but somewhere inside they're thinking. But why couldn't it have been a bit different, right? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, so I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I, I see your point. I agree with that point. Um, I, I, so I think one of the things that you know I've been trying to write about and advocate is to, is to really like make a Muslim, you know, kind of put forth a Muslim proposal for how we think about. Okay, if mm. if gender is a construct, like here is our construct. Like let's tell. I'll tell yeah. you. <laughs> if masculinity is a construct, then here's the Islamic con. Exactly, version. yeah. So I mean, I'm uh, so that, that's why I'm I'm I, I'm kind of um, 
suspicious of all the, all the kind of wholesale rejections of uh, critical theory and and even queer theory and gender theory because if they're taken to their um, their, their uh, kind of logical conclusion and we can say okay give us give us a space at the table as equals as Muslims fine you want to say there's a million genders there's a million genders but give us these two right here are two two genders yeah well, here, here's here's our definition of these yeah. two and so we want to use these definitions mm. for ourselves and we're going to offer them as models for other people yeah and guess what this is a, this is a society where people are starving for understandings of what it means to be a man or what it means to be a woman because yeah. nobody knows what this means to me right so and um you know uh, so that's something i think is really a good opportunity for Muslims, like in terms of da'wah, right? Which is to really say, like, what is it? What is a Muslim man? Let me show you what a Muslim man is. What is a Muslim woman? Let me show you what a Muslim woman is. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like, one of the reasons people become Muslim is, I think, a lot of it is because of that. That question is being answered, and they don't find that answer around them. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think I think this is this is just anecdotal for me. I don't have to go with some kind of survey for this, but I, anecdotally, I think this is something that has been uh, really uh, has given a clarity, a degree of clarity to people who don't have that clarity, don't find that clarity around them. Yeah, yeah, subhanallah. Um, I've got a lot of things I want to talk about with you, <laughs> but uh, I'm conscious of the time, and uh, I'm wondering if you you know wouldn't mind uh, meeting again sometime uh in the not so distant yeah future. i don't yeah I, don't, I wouldn't mind at all and next time i can we can pick a time when there's not like some kind of competition no, FIFA, no FIFA tournament. <laughs> yeah fifa slash kindergarten yeah. art class slash zoom call um but just um just yeah, before I, you, I let you go um just wanted to maybe get a few final thoughts of yours in terms of how you would kind of crystallize all the stuff we've been speaking about in terms of uh, maybe a, a, a rough strategy for Muslim impact, uh, uh, a positive impact for Muslims in society. So you're in the U- U- U.S. context, you, you're familiar with the U.K. context, with people from all over the world, uh, uh, you know, uh, listening in. How would you, so you mentioned your, what did you call what, the, the, the mnemonic you had? I think it's Rakio, yeah. Rakio. I can't remember what exactly it stands for, but you can find it in the, the Yafin article. Yeah. I think it's like right, rights affirmation, conservative something. I can't mm. remember. But, um, I mean, I would say that like one of the things that Muslims can really do is to really try and elevate discourse in a productive way. So um, we, we have this tradition of ikhtilaf, which is mm-hmm. brilliant, right? So where we can say, for example, um, me and you disagree on X, we agree on Y, right? So, mm-hmm. and, and that doesn't, and the fact that we agree on Y means that our disagreement on X is essentially immaterial. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have this tradition, which is in a lot of ways like Tawfifi. And by Tawfifi, I mean that it doesn't, um, it's not rational. So the fact that, this principle in you know Sunni Islam that like lawazim al madhab madhab right so the the logical entailments of a position are not that position which is actually irrational right so if you if if you say if, if I if I say where is God and you do what I say where's where, where in Allah and you point up mm. so what you're saying is God is 
over there, which means he's not over there, which means God is in a body, which means God has a body. Okay, what type of body? What is that? Oh my God, you're Mujessim, right? <laughs> so in theory, like, oh my, in theory, I've just uncovered that there's like a huge problem with your theological mm-hmm. beliefs. But what Sunni Islam says is, we're just gonna, we're just gonna say that the entailments of a position cannot be read as entailing that position because it would lead to a string of it's a disaster it would lead to like serial takfir i call it like james bond villain (laughs) rationality so you know james bond villains are always very rational they're like of course why wouldn't i want to like replace the human race with a better human race like isn't isn't that like i have a vacuum cleaner i can get a better vacuum cleaner isn't that isn't that like a good thing it's like yes, that's I guess that's rational, but I mean, so the uh, reason is very dangerous, very mm. dangerous. So, in one way, Islam Islamic tradition has this very rational, almost cold um, tradition of ikhtilaf, where they say, mm. look, we can compartmentalize <clears throat> our disagreement on this thing and on that thing, mm. um, and so we have sort of fundamentals we we agree on. Then we start to diverge at a at a higher level of secondary. Then we diverge further on a tertiary level, further on a fourth area level or whatever quadrary level right let me google um, it on the other hand we have this like very irrational irrational mm. idea that we're gonna we're, we're actually gonna acknowledge that um we have to live with other people and be in community with other people even though there's things about our beliefs that are are actually incompatible at a rational level yeah but that but that are collective commitment to our ummah our collective commitment to our risala or our collective commitment to our polity at a, at a state level right that um this this actually enables us to like set aside some of the sorry i don't know if you can hear that phone ringing oh, no, stop fine. it but um so muslims have this beautiful mixture of kind of rational disagreement and then a rational acceptance of plurality, which I think is just ideal for how to live in like a, a pluralistic, diver, d- diverse society mm. like the UK, or like the US. I think it's actually like a, 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 an excellent recipe. Yeah, I'm always saying that um, when I'm speaking to kind of non-Muslims, um, I, if maybe if they're kind of if somebody's being a bit of a harsh interview or something, I'll just kind of turn the tables a bit and saying, you know, Islam has a lot to teach uh, us about how to actually live in a proper, properly pluralistic society, not just, you know, um, something uh, where where one one standard is forced under the cloak of secularism and and universalized for everyone to to yield to, you know. Um, but I mean, I'd love to discuss that in some more detail uh, in the future. I don't want to take too much of your time. Uh, lest you think I'm not going to. Yeah, I got to go buy a water, a water filter. A <laughs> yeah. water filter like exploded, and yeah. now there's. I've been told this has this problem has to be solved. So this, you have to, have to don a mask and gloves and go figure out where to buy one of these things. Yeah. Okay. 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 Uh, if you like this podcast, give it a like and a share. And if you're if you're ready to take our relationship to the next level, then uh, click the old uh, subscribe button and get uh, notified whenever we get this uh, uh, good stuff like this out. So uh, I've been your host, Salman Butt, 
Uh, thank you very much again, uh, Dr. Professor Jonathan Brown. And until next time, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.